You guys, this is Mendeleev coming at you with the Mendeleev podcast. Yes, this is the podcast where I try to talk to all the cool people that I know and discuss the creative process. I just love having good chats and hopefully decades from now I'll be able to listen back. Hey Lev, what's up dude? Oh, hey dude. How's it going dude? And you know, we can uh, do a little time travel. So... Partly started this for selfish reasons, but also would love to uh, shine some light on my wonderful, wonderful friends. So in this episode of the Mendeleev Podcast, we have Ro Rowan. They're such a massively talented cello player, aka cellist. They're also a producer and writer, but mainly a studio and performing cellist playing with the likes of Lauren Hill and Dead Mouse, to playing on big films like The Lion King, also on TV shows like Vikings. This is a fascinating conversation and how we kind of differentiate between being an artist and being a musician. And we talk about what it's like to be collaborating on smaller scale compared to these massive productions, whether it be like at the Hollywood Bowl or in the pit with these massive orchestras. We dive into the diversity of songwriting and allowing our inner play to come through in the process. Seriously loved this conversation, you guys. So without further ado, please enjoy this episode of the Mendeleev Podcast featuring Ro Rowan. Did, did, Brad, Mendeleev. Yeah. As, as like a tech or just like in terms of software development? In content. So I worked on some secret projects that I'm not supposed to talk about probably ever. But um, Okay, well I can edit anything out here. So yeah, don't worry about that. <laughs> I'll, I'll make a marker right here. Well, that, no, that's fine. You can. It's fine if I say I can't talk about it because I didn't talk about it. Yeah. I just said I couldn't talk <laughs> yeah. about it. I didn't. I just mentioned that it exists. Um, <laughs> but it was it was fun. I got to see a little bit behind the curtain of yeah. Logic and GarageBand and stuff. A lot of quality content, you know, checking stuff. Yeah. Um, oh man, I've I've been a, a pretty pretty avid Logic user since I was a teenager. Same. So, yeah, like 15. back when it the joke was uh logic is not logical. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, really right. Oh man, I was I started with reason when I was nine and that was uh-huh. not reasonable. That was No, it was yeah. tricky. <laughs> so not tricky. Reasonable. And then I moved to digital performer <laughs> and you must oh. know how terrible that is. It's terrible. Yeah, as a, as a string player, uh you probably had to learn some digital performer, right or no? I had to learn it for the electronic production and design degree. You did you did EPD at Berkeley? Mm-hmm. Oh, I see. Interesting. Yeah, that's um, how I got the internship. Okay. And did you maintain your cello chops throughout all of Berkeley or did you really focus on the Oh no, I was like fifty fifty. I was actually a double major and then I dropped Ooh. it at the end because I didn't want to do the you know, whatever the last performance thing is. Extra, oh, um, like a proficiency thing? Yeah, like yeah, like the final performance project. I wasn't interested in that. I just wanted to be able to take lessons all the way through. Oh, you were, you were doubling in performance? Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, totally. Were you performance or? I or? I was a pro music. Pro music, that was going to be my... Second guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, which basically for those listening, that means professional music. It's the very broad design your own kind of Berkeley major there is. And and what I did, I actually, I went to each department. I kind of had a weird route there uh, where I basically like went and I, I ended up taking like a lot of extra credits mm-hmm. and I would like... I was so sick and fed up of the, uh, what do they call The non-principal classes. So if you like test in with an instrument they allow they kind of expect you to kind of stay on that instrument unless you want to 
transfer and like re-audition. So what I did, I ended up going over and like each department individually, I was like, put me with these people. I was in the bass department, had private instruction basis in the drum department. I, I had all the labs and took with different uh, drummers and, and private instruction there. I also did that with, with the vocal department. Even though I was a guitar principal, I was still like in the vocal department very often um, mm. and tried to just play everything because I was like, I didn't consider myself a non-principal. I was pretty adamant about trying to be a multi-instrumentalist. Um, and maybe my 20-year-old self was a little more cocky, but it really it really got got my chops up, I will say. Yes. Um, no, I, I think that's I, the trick to Berkeley is not getting um, tunnel vision. Mm-hmm. I think there's a benefit to that, but I mean, I, I can't imagine not dipping a toe everywhere I could dip a toe. Yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. So you know, I will say the the one department I never even saw was probably just gen- well actually it was it was brass string department. I just I was not there. I was not there. I mean that at makes all. sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's not my forte. Um my I actually rented a cello when I was 17 years old and I scored a horror film with it. That- um, meaning I barely could play and I was just <laughs> yeah. doing the screechy sounds and uh-huh. I had made this horror film and it, it was it worked perfectly um, however my house burned down and the oh. cello also burned down oh that um, was back I know I, I know I remember I think I was with you on the anniversary of that oh look you remembering dates here because no. I remember you saying today's the anniversary of that happening it was like a very oh. I was like whoa and so you kind of talked about it so you know so what? Was in that. This is making sense. I, you know, if the last time we saw each other was at the village show, mm-hmm. right? That would have been November 12th, 2018, and my house burned down November 13th um, of 2008. So that would have been the 10 year, the yeah, 10 year anniversary. Ten, you, you said it was like the, the 10 year anniversary. Yeah. Um, uh, however, moral of the story, I retired from my cello career that day. <laughs> and, like, uh, and was fortunate enough to meet you. And, uh, you, I played like all the instruments, like I'm talking about on that one album, mm-hmm. uh, that Mitchell and I were working on all those years ago. And you came in and added cello. You were like probably one of the only other instrumentalists on that whole record. I I remember. Has that did that? Whatever happened with that? Uh, you know, uh, half of it came out. So so we had mm. eight songs, and four of them I just basically put out as singles. Um, Got it. But yeah, you know, funny enough, not to be too all coincidental and uh, date obsessed, but it was actually. I believe five years ago from today that the pure music video came out. Um, oh, trip. Where you, where you actually, your whole cello layering became like the intro uh-huh. to the, to the oh, whole yeah. album, basically. I remember. Um, yeah. So, you know, things, parts came up, but there's a few, there's a few that are still sitting on the, on, on the hard drive somewhere, unfortunately. Well, that, that sort of brings me to a question since, you know, you kind of preface this conversation as being creative process. Yeah. And something I've been thinking a lot about and working on is my relationship to the creative process and mm. recognizing, you know, cause really having a lot of fears come up or a lot of blocks or procrastination or perfection. Yeah. And um, seeing things through and really being aware that, and I don't know, I don't feel like this is who I am, uh, in my core, but I think it's a product of navigating the industry for a number of years and being very product, um, focused, very outcome focused and very, um, focused on the commodification of Mm. whatever the creative product ends up being. And trying to, you know, go back to that time and place where creativity was, there's no time, there's no agenda. Yes. It's just that pure exploration of an idea. And at the end of it, if I explore it and end up right back where I started to go, wow, that was fun. Instead of like, <laughs> yeah, dang it, I didn't accomplish anything today, you know, and just really right. looking at my relationship to creativity, the creative product 
process and the creative product. Yeah, and yeah, trying yeah, to reorient. right, exactly. And having some element of, of priority, at least in that initial grounds of, of just trying to enjoy the process or go through the process. Um, and it kind of helps you stay a little more present, maybe. Uh, oh. You know, in life in general, especially, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, it also taps back into why we do it. Um, you know. I know it's embarrassing to even say some of this stuff. I mean, it's not embarrassing. It's actually important to be able to say, oh, this is where I am and this is what's going yeah. on. No, it's confessional in some ways. It's I think it's a big part of this. Yeah. But I'm disappointed. I, I feel a little disappointed. Like, how did I get here? Like, I woke up mm. all of a sudden and I'm like, you know, fell asleep in the car and I'm like, what city are we in? How did we get here? Yeah, yeah, a little wow. bit. Well, that, but also simultaneously, you've really done a full tour in, you know, so to speak of, uh, you know, hitting so many spots along the way and stopping in so many cities along the way. I mean, uh, again, we really haven't been able to catch up for years, but you know, I still kind of witness your career from afar via, you know, social media as we all do. Uh, and it's been so cool to see these, these, at least I only see the results and the product, but, um, <laughs> you know, I think that it's just been mind blowing to see from like massive films that you've been on and, and to like have these movies that I, I love. And then it's like to see your name in the credits, uh, and like being a part of orchestras and, and just massive, massive product projects on, on huge, huge scales. Um, are there, are there any that you can talk about here or are willing to, to talk about that you think kind of influenced you more than others? Like, um, projects that kind of you stopped at along the way? I mean, there were, there were certain projects that I think the kid in me was just jumping up and down. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like playing with Lauren Hill at the Hollywood bowl. Oh my God. I grew up listening to Lauren Hill. And so for me, that, I mean, it, I mean, it just gave me goosebumps now. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. um, I played with Dead Mouse at the Wiltern and oh, Dead what? Mouse was the album the we played a lot from this one album that was the album I was listening to when I was in Cupertino doing this internship mm-hmm. trying to decide yeah at Apple uh do I continue and look for a job here because they pay a lot of money and I would have financial stability yeah but then also being like, you know what? I've been down this road before. This is the reason I went to Berkeley was because I was working at a desk job and I oh. realized I wasn't happy. And I took that leap of faith to be like, I'm going to leave everything and give music a try. And I, and I felt like, gosh, I'm right back. You know, I, you know, I talk a lot about the spiral. It's like, I might end up back at the same place, but I'm at a different altitude or different yeah. in different relation to that point. Right. And I'm like, I'm right back here again. And I know just like the matrix, I'm, I know what this, you know, where that road leads. Yeah. 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 But, during the time I was trying to decide what to do, I was listening to this Dead Mouse album. And so when I got to play with him, I was like, wow, this is some full circle shit. Cause oh, I would never yeah. have played with him this music that was so important in that sort of meditation process. Um, I think there were things that I've done. I'm sure you can kind of relate because I know you've done a lot since I saw you last too and I've been keeping up with you. And, no times um, have changed. <laughs> um, it's been, it's been a, a real joy to watch you kind of shine on a, on a big scale. Um, Thank you. And yeah. I think that there have been things along the way that have been gratifying and there have been things along the way that have been elevating in terms of how I see myself or believing that I deserve to be here. Yeah. And do what I do. So there have been things where I'm like, okay, okay, if I got to do that, I'm not a slouch. I think I might I might deserve to be here, you know. And so there's been right. mental shifts and relationships to a relationship to how I see myself that gets um elevated and and I, I build some yeah. confidence. So there've been some of those I see. like I see. Um, right. which I think would be the ones that I'd put that tend to be a little more like I they go on a bio or something it doesn't mean Mm -hmm. they mean the most to me but i think they're the ones that kind of say they're validating yeah 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 i'll say for me for me yeah for you but yeah then the 
the things like like Lauren Hill is like you 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 know you've grown up so with with so much appreciation that for that for you to be sharing the stage um mm-hmm. that you know I, I yeah as you said the the inner kid sometimes it's like our goal in life is just to figure out how we could get that that younger self to to jump with joy um and a big part of why I started this podcast is uh, try, trying to like do some forward thinking and have some sort of gift for myself years, decades from now, hopefully, to see, okay, where was I when I was, you know, at this time of life? Um, but yeah, so um, I do have to ask you, uh, is, was Lauren Hill on time for the <laughs> Hollywood Bowl performance? <laughs> Every time I, I've seen her, she's been like 45 minutes late and she spends the whole time rushing her band. Um, and as a huge fan myself, I remember walking out of my first show of hers being so sad and, and so disappointed. The second one wasn't quite the case, but it's mm-hmm. something I've kind of heard around. Um, and I just, I love her so much. And it was like... But I, no, I think that's a, I, I've thought a lot about it because I've heard... I've heard what she, you know, how it's been like for some people to work with her. And Mm -hmm. obviously I got to experience that. What I would say, and I have a lot of, I feel like I have a lot of grace and compassion for her because I don't, Mm. I won't claim to know what her path has been Mm. and what some of the things she's had to go through. I remember hearing rumors years ago about her not being able to put out an album. And I was like, Oh my God, can you imagine being an artist and having, I mean, of all the art, she just, I feel like she probably oozes music and to not be, have a, a, you know, a handle to be able to turn on that faucet would have been, would have made someone go crazy. And, um, what I watched her do was I feel like that's the person that came in the room first. And I think she was so, I think she was surprised by how much she was enjoying it and how <laughs> how professional the orchestra was. Yeah. And we were just sitting there ready and we were on it. And I think at some point she got like almost surprised and excited. And so I think we saw probably one of the best versions wow. of her. Um, I mean, she gave a speech that was just like, so powerful and so, so coded, you know, I think, um, if you read between the lines, it was an extremely powerful, um, offering. And at the end of it, they had to shut her down because of the time and she didn't want to. I mean, so I think I saw a really, a really wonderful version of her and, you know, that's obviously all I can speak to, but yeah, I love that. She's a genius. I mean, she can hear, she heard everything. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's, I mean, the way she heard music was astounding. Yeah. I mean, really next level. Oh man, that, that is, it's truly inspiring to hear that. I love that so much. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm thinking back to, I used to have this iPod pillow when I was in, when I was in, I guess, seventh grade. So that would have been like 12 or 13. And I had this pillow that had a speaker in, that was built into the pillow, <laughs> and you plug your iPod into it. No. And, and every night I would fall asleep listening to uh, the MTV Unplugged 2.0, the, uh, you know, that just kind of stripped down acoustic oh, yeah. album that she put out when she returned. Um, and, and, and seriously, to this day, some of my, you know, fa- one of my favorite live performances ever. Um, yeah, and really inspiring to me because these days I do a lot of solo performances. I mean, I mm. still like, play with people sometimes in band sometimes but most of the time it's so much easier to just take my guitar and go um and most of my success in my life has come from uh that like just independence and ability to just like take that share the songs not have to rely on anyone and it it Mm -hmm. can be a really raw uh personal performance when i do that um but i wanted to ask you because oftentimes as you know a proficient string player you your career so much does rely or on the like it it's kind of like so intertwined with collaboration and and like i mean i think you kind of have to rely on other people's yeah emotional states 
timeliness they're they're just their whole lives on a, on a daily creative basis mm. um and so i'm thinking for myself it would just be i would be struggling so hard because i'm like i have this part of me that like while i do love collaborating i need to sometimes just take my own guitar and go alone by myself do you ever do you ever do your own kind of like just solo cello performances uh that That's i don't know about it's it's that's such an interesting question and this is i think the beauty of us coming at it from two different paths you know yeah. you have a very the artist path is very different than kind of the musician path yeah um but what i'll say to that is i actually think that the television and film studio recording world is so structured and so based on you have to show up if you're not 30 minutes early you're late so there's no, it's such a well-oiled machine yeah. that in a, in a way I feel, even though I'm a part of a group, I very much feel like, kind of like I'm on my own journey. There's not right. a sense of collaboration. And so even though it appears I, that I'm in a group, mm-hmm. my longing actually is to uh, collaborate with people in a more of a songwriting uh artist sense and I'm working on my own album which I've been working on for a long time and I feel so thirsty to collaborate because that's where I find um it's like you know when you talk to someone and you don't have to think of a topic or something to talk about it just happens and then some people you're like I can't think of anything to say I know tell me about it (laughs) and when I collaborate I feel like all the time it just is so natural and like oh let's try this and oh how about this like the minute they do something or I hear something I have a response to it and so it feels so effortless yeah and so I feel thirsty for that and that's the irony is um I I love writing alone but I love I love collaborating with people in yeah. in an artist sense, you know, where there is no, we're not writing to picture or anything. It's just like, what do you want to create today? Yeah, yeah, blank, blank page, blank page. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so cool. And so, oh wait, tell me about this this album. How long have you been doing this? <laughs> um, and and what does it what does it look like? Is it is it instrumental? Is it? Are are you singing on it? It's a hodgepodge. I would say that's probably going to be an issue at some point when I put it out because there's some that's pure electronic and there's some that's solo cello. So oh, it, it tell me really about swings it. and some vocals. And I mean, I'm not a singer, but you know, the magic of logic and knowing yeah. how to tweak things, but it's, um, I will say it. I think it's cinematic. Ooh. I think it's, um, very intense. Isn't the right word. I think each, I have a hard time writing anything. I, I have a hard time writing happy things. So everything is very kind of, um, yeah. not mournful. Like it's all, it's hopeful, but it's, it's intense usually. Yeah. 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 Like, totally. Ooh, that was intense. Okay. Next type of feeling. Oh, okay. Um, well, you've been, you've been so engulfed in the dramatic arts for so long. Yeah. And I think I also just, I've come to accept that whatever I create usually is dramatic and emotional. <laughs> I don't tend to write happy, happy. I'm not like a, someone asked me like, let's write a happy song. And I, I mean, I sat on that for so long. I was like, I'm not yeah. feeling that. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm a ra- like radio head, like, you know, like everything is kind of, you know, there's nothing light with Radiohead. Oh yeah. Or, or oh, Muse absolutely. even. There's a heaviness. Yeah, you know they're they're one of my favorites of all time. I, I remember seeing the In Rainbows tour back in 2008, um, which was absolutely life changing. Um, I think and, that's. Oh no, I saw Hail to the Thief. Okay, wow. Yeah, yeah nice. <laughs> wow, so cool. Yeah, they're uh, that that's a that's a great example, and and also an example of of people that have like, it's been decades, and you know they've been around since the late 80s and their sound has changed so much with the times but also so isolated from any sort of trend or fad or anything Mm -hmm. um like yeah you can kind of like pinpoint them to the early 90s grunge but then it's like they are doing electronic oriented stuff you know in the last decade or so but it's still like it's on a really its own world its own stratosphere 
I feel like they are exploring themselves and mm-hmm. that's sort of what we get to witness. I mean, was it the album that came out when we were at Berkeley? People were oh. saying it feels unfinished and King of Limbs. Know, yeah. And I, mm-hmm. the first time I listened, I was like, Oh, I can totally hear that. And after I listened about three times, I'm like, this is brilliant. It's brilliant. Codex. I know. I know. I, I had the same feeling. I recall. And it was and very it talk of the like, town too at Berkeley. Like, totally. you know, when an album drops, everyone's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? What do you, it felt like a stream of consciousness in some ways and yet yeah. co- totally coherent. It yeah. Be- it was a beautiful album. You know, there's, there's, there was funny things that also happened. I, I remember, um, you know, Battle Studies by John Mayer came out while we were at mm-hmm. Berkeley too. Um, and it's like all of these like drops by pretty iconic artists would be such hot topics of conversation that would get kind of intense um, because it's like our <laughs> career and stuff. Uh-huh. Um, and I remember John Mayer by himself being such a debated figure, especially maybe not as mm-hmm. much, but in the guitar department, at least it was a really big deal because it was very polarizing. Um, mm-hmm. Like some people really did not like John Mayer at all. Right. It's, it's kind of 50 50. And so when, when you'd bring him up, like half the time people would be like, kind of under the breath, like, so do, do you, do you like John Mayer? Like, <laughs> and uh, I mean, for those of us like myself that, you know, absolutely, you know, loved him and still do, I think uh, it, it was just, uh, it, it's funny. It's funny how it's like, the, it was so kind of in, in our careers simultaneously and the path of our education that like, we were kind of forced to talk about these things. And, um, you know, funny enough, he's actually playing Tonight at Madison Square Garden. Oh. T- tickets are $450. Wow. Yeah, I know. I wish there was a way. Um, but yeah, anyways, we uh, we kind of pulled off, but I, I did want to bring it back to your album, the 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 dramatic uh, tendencies of, of uh, Hodgepodge, you called it, which is also a great album name. <laughs> um, and you know, you're, you're kind of preaching the choir over here. I, I, I do a lot of solo acoustic. I do... 90% of the time I'm on my computer, I do EDM. Uh, mm. I, I stopped caring. The last time we were we saw each other years ago, I, pro- I cared a lot. And mm. now I'm at a different place in my life as to how things fit together, how things brand together. I'm just like, like, like with Radiohead, not, uh, it's like I just want to see them explore themselves. Uh, and I hope one day um, that, that people who want to listen to me want to listen to how I'm exploring. Um, and not mm. to get too preoccupied with figuring out what people want, you know, from me and stuff. So, man, that is, yeah, I I can feel I can feel it in myself. It's such an automatic. How will this look? How will this sound? Yeah, and it's um, it's almost it is like a meditation to just or almost like keeping the puppy in the basket. Like no no no, mm-hmm. it's okay. Come on back. Um, yeah, what do yeah, you think yeah. was part of the do you think it's just getting older or do you think certain experiences happened for you that you were able to get to this place from caring um, so much? It's, it's, I'll try to not have it be a too long of an answer, but basically I think what happened was, uh, I, I, a got very burnt out about doing my super melodramatic heavier songs mm-hmm. and not that I'm anti that. I just, uh, I, I want to do so many things and I, I am in the pursuit of inspiration, as I call it. Uh, and I'm not one who waits for kind of something to hit me. I'm like always actively seeking to be inspired mm. by something or different instruments or, or, you know, videography, whatever it is. Right. And so eventually uh, I think, you know, whether it was the voice, there's a few things that kind of got me some success or level of following and that generates expectation to be this and and there was a point in time when i was going to have like a whole separate name right it's like under a pen name or a separate identity to do the electronic stuff uh and it was it was more of a maybe it was getting older but it was also like uh like this kind of profound sense of of fusing myself together as maybe it's a hippy dippy thing to say but as a gemini wait are you gemini too yeah gemini Yes. All right. Let's go right now. All right. So yeah, exactly. It was like, I, I felt like this split and, and uh-huh. it was driving me nuts. And partly through that album that we, we had worked on together, uh, which was a you know, smorgasbord of, of genres and stuff. Uh, and just kind of like, I think accepting it. But, but after a while, I saw how 
it that thought was the thing that was preventing me from sharing my music and releasing my music and so that's the first thing that has to go um mm. it's like whatever it takes i just i just got to get it out and share it um otherwise you know that shit builds up inside of us and it rots and uh then it stops us from making more things and i just want to make more things so yeah you know, it's kind of it kind of felt simple eventually, and it is of course still a struggle. I'm a manager's worst nightmare, um, but you know, I I do it all myself now, so I'm okay with that at least temporarily. If you know somebody comes along and says otherwise, we'll renegotiate. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, you know, I I am curious to hear what you've been working on, like with these this balance of these cello songs with uh, more kind of dramatic cinematic um fusions well i i'm so interested in your electronic you know that that's an area for you because that's my first i mean that's why i went to berkeley was i wanted to learn how to make electronic music right and so in many ways i feel like all my music is going to be like um kind of an expression of all the electronic music that I used to listen to, like old German, you know, electro pop. Oh yeah. Um, old, like, um, uh, club music, DJ music from Chicago, like older stuff, even craft work yeah. up to modern day, dead mouse, Oak and fold, like that kind nice. of stuff. Nice. Um, but, but expressed through this sort of combination of a little bit of electronic stuff, mainly cello, sound design. So mm. I think all my songs kind of are written in this, like I love patterns. Yeah. I, yeah. I love, um, like, loops. You know, like Philip Glass. I was going to say, what was very, Philip Glass and then the other guy, I always forget his name. Uh, there's Philip Glass and there's, um, well, there's John Adams and then, yeah. Reich, what, what's Oh, up? John, uh, Steve Reich. Steve Reich, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yep. Oh my, yeah, very, it's almost like electronic or loop-based things like prior to yep. that being a possibility. My brain loves math and when I hear something that feels good to hear, mm -hmm. I want to hear it again and again and again. <laughs> so yeah, that's kind of yeah. why sometimes that. when songs do something cool and then they never do it again, I'm like, you're not, are you not going to go back to that? You don't want to do that 20 times cuz I want to hear it 20 times. Yeah, yeah. And uh, some people's some people's attention uh dwindles and it's like, you know, the, people can get bored of something so quickly. But I'm I think I'm with you. I think I could I can listen to 10,000 times and just get deeper and deeper often. But but also like one of my favorite I was going to ask you this earlier because she's a person who every album is different mm -hmm. and I feel like we get to watch her evolve and explore topics in herself which is Ani DeFranco oh yeah you and, know I've always wanted to get more do more of a deep dive into her I only know a handful I mean every single I've listened to every album kind of up to um was it Little Plastic Castle no To the Teeth which is uh yeah, to the teeth, and every single album is different and amazing. Wow. And it's if you listen to to the teeth and then listen to her first album, it's like quite a distance. Yeah, right. I I'm, I always love love hearing that from people. Um, there's been a handful that that have like I guess those are the ones that almost kind of inspire permission to mm -hmm. be a little more deviant and and explore a little more i could go with uh um a big one for me growing up was ben harper oh yeah um, absolutely he, he was huge for me and especially growing up i didn't own like 12 albums of anyone else you know mm -hmm. um and then uh you know there's also like uh there's this really one of my favorite artists of all time it's kind of in this boat her name is feist she's a She's yeah. a Canadian singer Absolutely. songwriter. Okay, so... Feist is awesome. She's so, so yeah. awesome. And it's hard to explain her awesomeness in a lot of ways because it's like she just... Almost every single song she's ever done is like, you never know. Uh, but also there is like a thread of like her sonic sound that mm -hmm. and her vocal production is, is always like very similar. Uh, you know, it has this kind of consistency but in terms of like genre instrumentation it's like mm -hmm. 
she doesn't even give a fuck, it seems like. She is all over the place. And and she truly is like at least modern artists in my my top five of all time. I just I love Amazing. her so much. And so I try to spread the vice gospel. No, yeah. it's like Imogen Heap. I love her. Who'd you say? Um Imogen Heap. Oh yeah. yeah. Um actually talking about permission, Ani does something that um I remind myself that it's okay to do is that because I, I love to craft a song and then because I grew up in like the 80s pop world, mm. songs were every single second of that song is almost like uh, part of the brand. Meaning um, if there's any deviation from it, I miss the way it was done on the original version. Oh. That it's such an, ex it's like a movie. It's like you changed a scene in a movie. Yeah. Like that's <laughs> yeah. not the right scene. And what Ani does is every time she plays a song, she'll play, she'll do the same poem or the same song for years. And every time she plays it, it's different. Oh, every wow. Time. And wow. I, I remember thinking like, oh, cause a song is a living, breathing. Yes. Um, organism that shifts and evolves and changes over time. That was just such a new Love concept it. for me. Okay, yeah. And you know what? Specifically, what I've heard about her is is how her live performances are are Amazing. some of the best. And 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 everyone who I've known who has seen her has told me to to not sleep on it. Um, so I have to. And and again, I'm not like you know, I, I'm not super knowledgeable, but I would love to one day. Um, and, and yeah, there is something to be said about allowing a song to be a living, breathing creature and orgasm and change. And uh, I, you know, it scares me to have something be so mm. fixed, I think. Mm. Um, I'm very improvisation based. Uh, my whole life is, especially performing, is very, I lean on whatever I'm going through and feeling, um, which kind of keeps me humble also like on the edge of my seat and gets me nervous sometimes if I need to be more nervous uh, <laughs> and and uh, so 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 what I've been kind of toying around with here is that is that I think that there's a way in which if there's an artist that's doing the same thing oftentimes maybe they've written one of the greatest songs ever hypothetically say and that song uh, is this like uh, they become this vessel, this human becomes this vessel for this transcendent song, like Beatles, you know, take Yesterday or or like, you know, Hallelujah, Leonard Cohen, like take these covered songs that are going to be anthems forever, you know, or for decades and decades to come. Um, that person became this vessel for this song. I switched my mentality. I don't know when, but I wanted to become this... I wanted the song that I wrote to become this vessel to deliver myself and whatever I was going through. Uh, and so I deprioritized the power of the anthem. As much as I love singing with people and getting people singing, uh, and, and I still attempt that and do that, I, uh, I kind of lead with like that, how am I going to interpret this right now? um kind of state of mind that's just been something that's been on my on my mind and and you said image him heap and she is kind of she is spectacular with that in a lot of ways and when i've seen i don't know if you've ever seen her live before i have not had the the pleasure oh my god well she does all this wild looping stuff right which i also do if you were to if i were to turn my camera on you could see my whole hardware and desk and i do a lot of live electronic stuff with looping and shenanigans and stuff uh but she is like her performance i once saw when i was a teenager she did the headset microphone and she did a, like a three-hour set and the whole time mixing and matching taking different keys and melodies ideas from the audience making this soup of sound and looping mm. and she was just like, it was almost like we were existing in her head because she had this headset mic. She was like talking to herself, working her way through all this like gadgets and gear and stuff and having a blast like a mad scientist. And so that that really inspired the hell out of me, um, you know, and, and while it is, you know, there is structure to it. It's not full improvisation. There There is an element of like fusing the two. Um, 
And and while we're kind of on this image gym topic, I just saw the Harry Potter musical last week, and the whole musical is her recorded music. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. The the whole Harry Potter musical on Broadway, or it's not a musical. I'm sorry. It's just her music is the background, and it's all pre-recorded, which is weird. And as much as I love her music, it's strange to hear this like weird pre-recorded image gym in the background. It's like what an interesting vision for that. I know. I don't know whose choice that was. But it, was it was a great experience, but yeah, I don't know. Um, Interesting. But anyways, I do love her so much and would love to see her again um, and totally recommend her. So maybe next time you come on this podcast, I'll have seen Ani DeFranco and you'll have seen... Um, As a guitar player, you have to. I mean, she's a, a, yeah. an amazing guitar player. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. Which actually one of my favorite things to do is do pizzicato that's sort of inspired by guitar picking. That's kind of my Can you explain that? How so? Like like in just the way that you pluck it? Yeah, like I can't do – like actually, for example, um, an ex of mine wrote this song and – it's this guitar picking pattern and I really wanted to cover it on cello. And I spent just like hours and days trying to come up with something that would honor the spirit of what she was doing, mm. but I couldn't do it exactly. And so having to, and so each time that I do that, I have to come up with like a new technique oh. because two handed pizzicato on cello is like to get certain patterns. It's like learning. It's like doing a, what do you call it on the drums? Um, like paradiddles? Paradiddles, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like that. It's like learning a new rhythmic pattern. Oh. Um, but I love, like I have certain patterns that I go to, but yeah. to learn, a, like if I'm trying to emulate a, a guitar, like I actually have a cover song that I've been sitting on that um, it's like tapping me on the shoulder every day um, <laughs> that I want to do it. But I sat down, I had writer's block. I was like, wasn't flowing. So I've learned to just kind of let it breathe. But I think that's ultimately where I'm going to go is just come up with a new pattern and not try to mimic it so much mm. as really like, you know, like kind of what you're saying, yeah. use it as a structure. Yeah. Like who am I today? Mm-hmm. You know, using this vehicle, where do I want to drive? Where do I want to go in it? Can you say what, what song the cover is or no? Mm, no. All right. All right. That's fine. All but right. I will, on our next podcast, you can tell me about Ani DeFranco and I'll tell you about the, the cover <laughs> yeah. song. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, man, I just, uh, I'm, I'm curious about this and I'm curious about this, this picking pattern. Um, and, and do, do you know, do you know Andrew Bird by any chance? Mm-hmm. Yep. I saw Andrew Bird open for Ani DeFranco oh, really? in Hollywood. Yep. Wow. Back when he sense. just kind of landed on the scene. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Like, I, brand new. Yeah, I'm. it must... I guess, when did I start this? It was high school, maybe? I think it was like 2007 or so yeah, I started. Yeah, it was a while ago. Um, but yeah, seeing him live is... He has a really cool kind of piz, pizzicato looping mm-hmm. thing that he does. Um, that's yep. always been super inspiring. Um, yeah, so I, I am curious about... Yeah, hearing you do that, is is this cover going to be on your album or are you just going to make a video or something? No, this is with a, like a company, like it's actually kind of a library company, but they have an artist wing. So I'm cool. kind of doing string covers of pop songs. Oh, cool. And I love it. It's super fun. But I am... Um, you know, when you're talking about being a Gemini and kind of sitting on things and then mm-hmm. just letting it go to create space, I'm really yeah. aware of, um, I, I'm not one of those people that can just, like so much of what I'm working on in my personal life or my inner world is tied yeah. up with my productivity and my process in writing music. Right, right. So some people are very proficient and I'm like very... Um, intentional not to say that if you're pro- no if sure. you're not intentional but it's like yeah it's yeah they're well, very you're also tied you're also so in in seem insanely busy you know on these massive projects and films and tv shows and busy yes but if 
I'm aware that if I have a whole day and I'm like, oh, I can do it today. And then I'm like, God, the day went by and I didn't do it. And yeah. then I'm really busy. I'm like, oh, I wish I could do it today. I'm like, come on. <laughs> yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I'm never, I'm, that's what I'm learning. I'm never too busy to not make time right. to do that. It's like I'm not creating the space. And that's, right. I, mean, I work on it in therapy. I mean, it's like wow, really. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Just because it's, um, it's just. Anytime I bring up something creative, I can tie it to something. I'm like, oh, that explains why they're connected for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. It will, I've, sometimes it's really just like, you know, getting the ball rolling is like the hardest thing. So I always have this like mind trick that I play on myself, especially if I'm like going to work on a big project and it's empty. It's like a blank, you know, template or something. I'm just, um, I always say, oh, this is, I'm just going to uh, do a scratch Take or like, uh -huh. or I'm just gonna, you know, try something out and fuck around, and it'll it'll yeah. be whatever. And and that's kind of my way in. And I know that's that like brilliant. eight hours later, it's I'm gonna have like been working on an attempted masterpiece. But but as long as I like start with the kind of like, yeah, I'll just try something out. Um, that that's kind of my my mind trick. Because again, if I'm like if I am so set on constructing a masterpiece too early it stops me from even doing it and yeah. and oftentimes i think our potential is the the most powerful thing to hold us back uh yeah. and and it's so sometimes just so daunting and uh and just debilitating to like feel how proficient we are and the ability that we have um and then like when it is that potential energy isn't activated it, it's like it, it, it kind of withers away at a certain part of us um and and it's it's something that has really like not destroyed my life because i feel like i've been able to overcome it to some degree but um there's just it's serious shit that not all artists talk about um I, lo I love your trick i my therapist just said last this like my last session because we we're talking about it and she said she's like i'm pretty sure and she's not like a creative person mm. but she's I think her vantage point is really valuable for creatives. She mm. just said, I'm pretty sure that the creative process of, you know, creating an album or a piece of art is 90% just fucking around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, like playing around, trying things. She's like, yeah. that last 10% is about the polishing and the, mm -hmm. you know, really getting in there. But the rest of it is like, uh, I just messed around for a month. Yeah, that, And that's sort of what you're fast tracking is or, or setting up is like, I'm just going to say I'm messing around yeah. and trying some stuff. Yep, exactly. And, and over time and ability, it's like there is a certain level of trust and maybe confidence in competence and like ability to execute um, that does help the next project um unless it's not shared and then it just sits on a hard drive and that's a whole other problem which i've also dealt with and then i developed uh my my what i call the recycling system i've made a whole tiktok video about this where it's like <laughs> i actually go through and oftentimes will sample a song mm -hmm. at my own song and different elements of my song uh, before i i export um and mm -hmm. i'll save them as sample packs so that Anytime I can actually open that song as a sample pack, even if it's a vocal stem or maybe it's like instrumental or just a few elements and, and I can add that into new songs. And so energetically, it has this place to, to go. Um, and even if I never will release the song, like some of my songs are literally combinations of like six other songs that I have in one and they have like a life of their own. And it's uh, yeah, it's I, I never want them to just sit and die on a hard drive. It's so sad. But that's, that's so funny. That must, you know, again, maybe it's a Gemini thing. Um, mm -hmm. That's, it's so f interesting you say that because in some ways I would judge how I work and I've sort of learned to be like, that's just who I am. That's how I work. But I, if I make it, it's a little different, but I think it's the same sentiment. If I write a song, the next side, the next song I write almost is like a, part two of that song. So there's some element of it that I take and then I go off in a different direction. I love that. But there's just something in there that's a, a nod to mm -hmm. a song before it. You mean like could be like a motif or like a little part of the melody? Or... Something, yeah. It's it's, yeah. Uh, And sometimes there ends up being like six versions of that 
motif in there. Like it ends up in different places or in a, you know, in a different structure or something totally. like that. But, um, Oh my God. Yeah. Oh man. I'm thinking of this one song for myself that it's, it's literally I have like eight different versions. It's like, I don't, <laughs> I don't know what to do. But it's that, that thing where I, when I like a pizzicato pattern, once I, I just love to do it. I love it because it feels good and I love to hear it. Yeah. And so I want to put it everywhere I can put it. It's like yeah. the electronic thing, you know, it's like, oh, right. just, yeah, just that, that bass drum and that pattern and that synth arpeggio over and over and over, num, num, num. Oh my um, God, I'm so excited. And I, I want to, I want to jam with you when, whenever this, uh, super secret special cover comes out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You'll be one of the first to know. I'll be like, I did it. I'll just say, I'll just be happy if I do it and feel like, I'm able to practice like the things we're talking about, like not yeah. think about what I think it should be or yeah. what they're expecting, but just. Well, have you, okay. So this wouldn't be, this wouldn't be uh, an episode of the Mendeleev podcast. If I didn't ask the question, have you read <laughs> Rick Rubin's new book, the creative act, a way of being? No. Okay. Do you know who Rick Rubin is? I know the name. Okay. Well, I could not recommend anything in the universe more. Mm. It is officially my new Bible as but I'm Jewish but like you know Torah or like it's the it's the book now and <laughs> and I ha will have it forever. I'm on my I you know multiple times listened to he reads it on Audible. Totally recommend that. Um but you can just read it yourself. It's about all of he's produced everyone you've ever loved probably. Um, go to his Wikipedia page, look up, uh, you know, he has his own Wikipedia page for his own discography and you can just uh. see it's everyone from, you know, from like Run DMC, Beastie yeah. Boys to System of the Down, Linkin Park and Rihanna and Eminem. It's like everyone's right. So he has a spiritual perspective on music and he doesn't play an instrument. He doesn't work a soundboard. He strictly just understands what he likes in his mm. taste and other artists now trust that opinion yeah and and uh anyways check out the book and what i say is on this podcast if you go and read that book or you finish it or listen to it you come back on the podcast and then we talk about that book <laughs> <laughs> no that actually sounds really fun i yeah. I, I was going to mention a book that i'm listening to on audible right oh, now me. called atomic habits oh i Actually, I have started that. I have it. Yes. By and James. It's, uh, uh -huh. Yeah. It's been, it's even just in the first like 45 minutes, uh, again, very humbling because he's talking yeah. about what not to do or wh where you get caught. And I'm like, dang right. it, that's where I am. And, um, <laughs> but it's kind of like the thing you're saying, like, um, I love what he said about, you know, having goals is great, but you know, if you're in the Olympics and you have the goal to be, get the gold medal, it's not like you're the only one who had that goal. Yeah. So whether you have it or not, doesn't, isn't a measure of whether or not you're going to succeed or finish, mm. but your system that you set up is, and to recognize the importance of the 1%, like moving 1% mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or, you know, very small increments. And I was, and how easy it is to dismiss unhealthy, like moving in the wrong direction. You're like, oh, I just, I'll just let it go for today or I'll do it tomorrow. Yeah. Um, yep. And then that um, threshold, like water boiling, yep. you know, it doesn't boil instantly. It take you have to heat it up. And I was mm -hmm. like, oh, these are little ways to think about the creative process yes. and less yeah. about just the threshold. Yeah. Right. And we all have our own aiming, aiming a little bit higher every day or whatever is mm -hmm. achievable. Yeah. I, I, thanks for the reminder to finish that damn book. Cause that was really inspiring. Well, Sometimes and thank you I for, that having the next book I'll listen to. Yes, Rick totally. Rubin. I and and I oftentimes double speed everything on Audible um, <laughs> just to like crank through. And it's amazing how, how you can really tap in. You'd be surprised after five, 10 minutes, you're like, depending on the speaker, um, uh -huh. like Obama, you got to like 3X that shit. Oh, yeah. Uh, but but uh, but no, with Rick Rubens, it was he's talked so slowly. It's like this meditation. You kind of tap in with him. But it's it's unbelievable. And especially what we're talking about and if you ever need any assistance in, in just a different philosophical way to approach it, uh, it, it really, there's no, there's nothing I've ever found that's more valuable than this fucking book. Uh, oh, that's so, great. Yeah. 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 I'm I totally, looking forward I to totally, it. yeah. Save that for you to, you know, 
um, anytime you want to come back on this podcast, I will have finished Atomic Habits too. Okay, we'll do a little uh, a little uh, love book club. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, the last question that I totally forgot about was I think a big way in which we originally connected in LA was you helped uh, film an acoustic performance of mine. Uh, and do you, do you do any more cinematography or video work at all? Um, or is um, that like a lost, a lost art or love that, that you had? Cause it was great. You were great. Well, thank you. And so are you. I, I've been seeing some of the video stuff you've been doing. Um, oh yeah, of course. Um, it's always been a, ha a hobby and I love film and I love images. I love thinking about music videos. Yeah. I think I just, um, you know, as we kind of like we were saying, we continue to explore ourselves in music. I've, I am at this kind of a, about to jump off into a deeper level of that journey and, and maybe shifting directions a little. Mm. And so while I love the video stuff, I think I'm, my attention right now is kind of on the, the writing yeah, and working on these aspects of self through that process. And I'm sure once I finish songs, I'll make videos <laughs> for them. Yeah. First things first. Yeah. I have a video I've been working. It was a cover of, um, safe and sound by capital cities. Oh, that's, um, you know, i made a video for that. I don't know, five years ago and I'm <sighs> still working on it in my head <sighs> and finding just the right, you know? So, yes. um, yeah, I'll always, I think I'll always do video. It's, I don't yeah. think you, you and I, I think are the same in that. I don't, I don't think we'll ever be able to do just one thing in yeah. one area. Yeah. We'd, we'd be miserable. No, totally. And I think for me, I actually use video or just general visual mediums from graphic design to cinematography to balance out my obsession. So oftentimes if I need a break from the sonic side, I, I the, the pendulum swings the other way and and uh, I spend, you know, a few weeks or a month or so just obsessing and making videos until it, I'm ready to go back. So, yeah. I, again, I pretty much just follow wherever the, the inspiration is, is taking me. Um, but, yeah, sometimes we're too close to a project. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes we're too wrapped up in it. You know, we just need a little breather. Um, For sure. Or, or reinvigoration. Um, but, yeah, I just, uh, I think, you know, that you shot pure, that, that acoustic song i have and uh it's still it's still growing i think we have like thirty thousand views on it nice. and uh yeah and it just you know it was one of my first just in studio acoustic performances and like i'm i'm always making my own videos and stuff like that but like in terms of in studio shots like i just need somebody to hold the camera um and yeah. you you came in and you just like you you had such a just such a smooth hold and touch to how you were doing it and a really awesome artistic eye and it felt really intimate uh, and mitch has since taken on uh, uh -huh. his own projects in, in videography and everything yeah, um, i love it i love seeing that yeah so us musicians who are videographers i, I do find this like certain kinship we like have to stick together you know <laughs> absolutely <laughs> well, I have one last question for you. Yeah. Um, because you actually were on my mind because I got to play an episode of The Voice. Oh, no way. And so I was looking at like John Legend being like imagining, oh, wow, like, you know, imagining you there and what that experience must have been like. And, yeah. you know, just that fun thing of I almost could still feel you there. Oh, that's you know sweet. how that's how sweet. things exist in space, and I was like, um, so I, my question is, what do you feel was like, what was one of the most kind of profound or maybe surprising things that you learned from that experience or a way that mm. you shifted? Yeah, because um, I'm. It's a. It's an. It was intense as a musician for one day. I can't imagine <laughs> what it was like as a like a contestant yeah i mean uh, for really as long intense. as i was on, it was literally months uh as long as for, i was on like a whole summer um even though you know it, they have a whole scheduling thing that they don't let us talk about but um basically what i'll say is um and thank you for asking um the it's hard to talk about without kind of intrinsically being linked to the passing of my mom 
Uh, she passed away three weeks before I was on the show. And oh, I didn't realize it was that close. It was that close. And, and oh, so it was this crazy wow. experience of, of absolutely monumental shifts, uh, trauma, um, you know, just a, a full emotional undertaking uh, and then having to be kind of whisked away. And we're literally like sequestered and locked mm. in this um, hotel that we can't leave basically. And mm. so what happened was it ended up being this insane uh, almost blessing in disguise that became this really powerful retreat for me um, to where I didn't have to deal with a lot of other people's um, unwanted sympathy uh, is the weirdest way to say it, but I think that is it. Um, mm. And I was able to kind of, you know, I did the some processing with family and everything, but once I was on the show, I was on the show and, and no one there really knew I told a few wow. friends that I became close with, but it really did influence the whole time. And and um, oddly enough, you know, it really, it was like one of the hardest moments of my whole life that led into one of the greatest experiences of my life. Um, and th they're just so wrapped together that it's hard to pull them apart. Sure. Um, and of course, like gen genuinely wish that she could have seen it. And it was actually one of the last things she ever said to me was that she wished she was able to see the mm. results of the show. Um, and then it goes, you know, months go by and and it really, in retrospect, was this wonderful retreat of uh, wonderful people of insane talent being all kind of forced together under really unusual circumstances and forced to write together, jam together, record together, create together, hang out day in and day out, play games together, like almost like summer camp. Um, and it, honestly, I genuinely think it would make for a much better show if they showed more of the behind the scenes stuff. Mm. Um, and, and, and the whole process was, was there was st stressful moments, of course, um, but I felt very grounded and I was able to um, address all of the, the grief and process it in real time. Um, I don't know if one experience could happen without the other. And I have to say that, um, yeah, again, they're really linked together. And then, uh, and yeah, it was, it was really, it was really one of the greatest experiences. And I still look back to it very fondly and really nostalgically. Um, I, if I could do it again, I totally, totally would. Um, mm. And I've even thought about that. I just, I loved my time so much there. I think I was on for the perfect amount of time. Like I didn't go like six months in, right? Mm. Um, I didn't go to the finals or anything. Um, and and what it, in retrospect, what it gave me, I think is a sense of validation um, for what I was already doing. And it's literally like the show is set up to be this like synthesized huge stage platform of the highest production value. And, you know, it's like basically celebrities vouching for you on national television is what the show is. Um, and so and so that validation was really important at that moment in my life of like, OK, I've, I've been doing it right. And and uh, I'm just I'm going to keep at this. Um, Maybe as before, I, I was not second guessing, but uh, it's like, you know, my, my song was very stripped down. Like my main thing on the show is this cover of this Bob Dylan song. And it was like very slow, very stripped down. I didn't play with the band. It wasn't high production value at all, which is what the show is made for. Uh, I just played this simple, slow, low folk song. Um, and it's amazing how it's like, you know, most of the times at my shows, I'm like raging and screaming and all that stuff. But uh, the power of really just grounding your feet and kind of mm -hmm. existing in this in this moment, um, you know, it's it's been a blessing I've taken with me ever since. And it it is great uh, personal validation. But also, you know, if I ever want to get a gig, it really helps that, too, and has helped the rest of my career and you know, I still get just such kind, wonderful messages from people almost every day on the internet. Um, that's awesome. Yeah, and and that's just been unbelievable. It's been really, really kind. And and uh, lastly, I will say, um, yeah, I think people who have also experienced loss 
um, those messages have have stayed with me to the to this day, and how important just them witnessing me going through my shit and my own grief was for them. And it's like that's all we can really do. There's yeah. not really an answer for how to deal with all this stuff uh, and grief. It's just like let's share these stories and our experiences and. If I know somebody that had an experience that's similar to mine, it it somehow helps me. Um, okay. As yeah, I guess as simple as that is. Um, but yeah, that I think I think that is that is the full answer there. Um, I'm glad that, I asked. That's a great answer. Yeah, that's well, a thank rich, you for asking. Yeah, rich. Um, it was. I. I I didn't mention the part of your your question, which was that how stressful certain days were. Um, and how when you're waiting for, you you wake up at 3.30 in the morning and are waiting for 15 hours and you haven't eaten much, you'll probably do or say anything. Uh, and I'm just grateful to the editors of that show <laughs> that they didn't make me look like a complete asshole. So um, yeah, I think I was, I was appreciative. Um, and uh, yeah, what, what did you go on the show for? I was just part of the string section. Oh, cool. Uh, for for the most recent season, Omar. Um, oh, nice. But it was I, I, I was excited to do it because I wanted to see behind the curtain. I always find those shows really fascinating, and they're yeah. so different to be a part of than how they present. And right. so I want to feel the energy and, you know, see the stage and watch how, how it all functions and the flow of it was really fun. It's, it's quite a, quite a machine, right? I mean, you've quite been a part a of machine. some big machines, but it, it's, uh, you're, we're just another cog in the wheel. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah. And, and, uh, did you do like the lives or the, the finals? We did, wasn't the finals. It was like the final four. Oh, I think cool. there was four. But yeah, there's something really exciting about live television too. Yeah. I think it's really exhilarating. It is and exhilarating. Yeah, right, right. Th there's not as many opportunities for real li live. I mean, it wasn't, you know, I won't say, I won't give away any secrets, but you mm -hmm. know, there's version, different versions of live. Sure, sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there are different versions of live. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, I've always wanted to like release a live album and just like have it a studio recording and just put crazy reverb and like audience noises and, like, <laughs> and call it greatest hits live. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. It's all and boosted I, up anyway. That's another live trick. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. I mean, I actually, you know, I might do this now. Maybe I'll take it off this podcast because I should do this. Just scam everyone. It's yeah, like, there you go. Yeah. I like thousands of people. Like, it's hey. just you, actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, Ro, it's been such a pleasure talking to you and getting Same. to catch up after all these years. Same. A pleasure. Yeah. Thanks for being willing to, to come on here and being, you know, just so open about um, how, how you kind of see things. Of course. I'd love to talk to my fellow Gemini. Yes, anytime. And, uh, you know, I'll definitely be finishing Atomic Habits and, and come back on when uh, when you, 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 you finish the Rick Rubin. Um, I'm going to hold you to it. Yeah, and let me know what you think, and I'll uh, hopefully see you very soon in L.A. I'd love that. All let right. me know when you're here. I will. I'm going to reach out next time.